Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. And this week, I am thrilled to bits to bring back one of our previous authors, Shakira Rashan, to read another piece of work. I'm going to remind you of who he is. He's been called the master of the mindfuck, and he's been creating mind-twisting stories and lavish worlds for well over a decade. Rolling onto the national literary scene as a contributor to Z-rated Chocolate Flava 3 in 2012. His raw, vivid, and uncut writing style captured the attention of the queen of erotica herself, Zane. A year later, Shakir's debut novel with Striba, Atria, Simon & Schuster, The Awakening, opened to rave reviews, while the follow-up Nubian Underworld series, Legacy, garnered even more success, and the third installment, Tempest, helping to make the series one of the most unique and best-selling in the erotic romance genre. Rashan would later add to his impressive catalog with the debut of the Kink PI series in 2015, starting with Obsession and following up with Deception and Reckoning. Drawing comparisons to Walter Mosley's Easy Rollins series, Kinky PI has developed into yet another best-selling series, carving its place as a throwback to the days of classic mystery books in the mystery genre. Further adding to his impressive portfolio, Rashan was a regular blogger for USA Today's Happy Ever After blog, where readers could find him at his manly musings, personal blogs, reviewing books, television shows, and movies from a man's perspective. He wrote recaps for various shows for the Stars Network, including The Girlfriend Experience, Power, and Survivor's Remorse, before the blog was retired in late 2018. Shakira has gone on in recent years to pen a series of best-selling novels, including In Service to the Senator, a sexy political thriller that has been called heart-pounding and an edge-of-your-seat suspense by several reviewers. The Devil's All-American, a unique paranormal romance featuring a rising college basketball star, Unthinkable, a not-so-conventional romance set in the entertainment industry, and most recently in 2020, Love, Lust, and Beautiful Liars, a romantic suspense novel about an international weapons dealer who was looking to retire and enjoy his HEA. Shakir is developing a couple of new series in the youth and adolescent paranormal genre for 2021 and beyond, in addition to a couple of youth and adolescent suspense novels to expand his literary universe. He currently resides in suburban Atlanta with his wife, college-bound teenage daughter, and a Jack G named Teddy. You can find out more about him at shakirashan.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure as always. Pleasure is mine. What are you going to read for us today? Um, I'm actually reading from Love, Lust, and Beautiful Liars. It'll be uh, from the 
from the actual spot where um, there was a there was a point in the book to where uh, the uh, where my my hero and heroine were literally separated because he needed to keep her in a protected area while he was taking care of other um, other forces that were trying to not only di- uh, dispose of him but dispose of her as well. So after he had managed to settle a few things to try and get a lull into the action, so to speak, he takes a unexpected surprise trip to visit her unbeknownst to her. Uh, so this is where I will be actually reading from that particular scene. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> All right. It took Samara a while to keep her body from tingling after she finished her call with Dorian. She couldn't resist how he made her feel. And now that things were starting to fall into place again, it intensified the visceral reaction she had to something so simple as his voice in her ear. She needed him there with her, and she had, but she understood that he had something that needed to be done so that they could start their new life away from the craziness they had both known for far too long. With Ishmael in the condo, that Dorian had them staying for what seemed to be forever, if she could call the past few days forever, and her pension for the uh, for developing cabin fever in less than a day or two. It was only a matter of time before she would begin to start acting out. She wandered toward the bedroom to change into something that she would care, that would keep her in the sensual mood she felt, holding on to the heat coursing through her body for as long as she could. <laughs> Ishmael would just have to get over it tonight. I need to feel daddy so badly that my body is liable to explode. She wandered into the bathroom to run a hot bath, preparing to welcome the soothing sting of the heat to match the insatiable hunger deep in her core. She stepped out into the bedroom while the tub filled, pulling the wine from the mini fridge so she could further indulge inside her wanted state. She didn't mind her protector's company. He had been keeping excellent conversationalists since the first day they had gotten acclimated to their temporary residence. Had it been anyone else, she probably would have tried to find different ways to escape, if only for a few hours to keep herself from to keep from driving herself crazy. If anything, he'd been the perfect gentleman, taking care not to be pervasive or creepy in any manner. It wasn't for a lack of her trying to tease him. In her mind, it made time flow faster, and it was and and that's what she needed more than anything in the world. It impressed her that she couldn't get a rise out of him. Or at least he never gave an overt sign that she was getting to. Tonight, however, she was close to throwing caution to the wind and swearing him to secrecy if she were to place him in a compromising position. Samara quickly put those thoughts out of her head as she set her nearly empty wine glass on the side of the tub, sinking into the water, hoping that she could at least loosen the tension she felt in her muscles. The water enveloped her like a fluid blanket as she slowly slipped her body further below the waterline. It was so hot, it was almost painful, but it felt so wonderful against her skin, her muscles that she no longer cared about, which felt more, the pain or the pleasure. The minute she rose from the tub, she reached for the first lotion she could find, a silken blend of almond oil, mango butter, vitamin E oil, and lavender oils that she purchased from one of her clients. As she, as she caressed her skin with the lotion, she couldn't stop imagining that her hands were his, threatening to arouse her senses all over again. She grabbed her satin robe, padding out to the deck, to, to the, back, the, the deck outside of the bedroom, noticing that the sky had darkened quite a bit while she indulged in her bath. 
Looking out over the landscape backyard, she observed her, the roiling clouds in the sky. The branches of the trees went back and forth, bending to the will of the gust of wind that developed. She always loved summer storms. There was something erotic about the unbridled energy of the wind and rain. The rain and the wind, the flashes of lightning and the rumbling thunder, it was all enough to work her into a frenzy. The lightning was still off in the distance, far enough to enjoy its splendor. And since she could enjoy a measure of privacy, she left her robe open, allowing the mist of the rain to kiss every inch of her body. The water trickling down felt so delicious to her that she removed her robe, exposing her naked form to whatever the elements had to offer. Her body trembled and she felt her heart beat quicken. She closed her eyes, embracing every one of her senses as she took her hands and roamed over her curves, praying that she could survive the energy the storm continued to surge through her. She lost herself in the storm, moaning softly against the rumble of the thunder. In the next instant, she swore she felt another pair of hands against her hips, holding them in place to stop her from swaying. She blamed it on the wine and the overheated state. Ishmael was downstairs and never so much as disturbed her once she retired for the evening. You smell succulent, Carita. Inhaling your scent made it worth the trip all the while. Samara flinched for a moment before she realized the surprise presence behind you. <laughs> I thought I was dreaming. I wanted to feel so badly, Poppy. I missed you terribly. I didn't want to keep you waiting too much longer. It had been torture being away from you for so long. It's only been a week, darling. Well, it shouldn't have taken that long. Once you take care of what you need to do over the next day or so, I'll be yours forever. Is that a threat or a promise? I don't make threats, Miguapo. You should know that by now. The thunder rumbled closer to them, but neither of them cared. Nothing else and no one else mattered in that moment between them. The rain began to fall harder, the warmth of the water mixing in with the thunder and flashes of lightning creating a symphony that they didn't want to end. Samara lost herself in the moment, welcoming Dorian to come inside and unleash the storm she felt within him, a storm that rivaled the one swirling above and around them. The louder, and, the, louder the thunder cracked, the louder she screamed from his maddening strokes, acting as though they would never have another moment like this in their lives. She encouraged his release, begging him to let everything go, to be the sounding board to everything that he needed to clear from his mind and body and letting loose a delicious grin when she felt him erupt. They never moved from their space on the deck as Samara closed her legs around his waist, silently willing him to stay with her for as long as possible. The rain, relentless in his downpour, served as a soothing shower that they both needed to refocus. She felt him shudder, a telltale sign that he was regaining his energy. I can't wait for nights like this again, she purred. Soon, Carita, soon, I promise. This nightmare will be over and the next phase of our lives will begin. Are you ready for that? More than you know. More than you know. Yum. Yum, yum, yum. Yeah, I always had a thing for storms. <laughs> Me too. Thor, I've written more than one thing with Thor in it. <laughs> yeah, that. That's what it is, right? You know? Yep. Yep, definitely. Wonderful. So you've got new stuff coming out in 2021. I know we said it's youth, but um, you reckon adults are going to love it. 
Yes, that is the that is the plan. I mean, the thing is, is that even though it's youth and adult and, you know, that that age range is technically the target market. What I've learned is that the uh, that adults read it a lot more than I'd originally gave credit for. Um, And so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what that crew, what that that readership is going to look like when it's time to see what I've got going on. And of course, that that. I mean, those will be, by definition, less racy because. Yes, by definition. I mean, there'll still be a bit of, there'll be some some PG-13 moments, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as that is, the way that my publisher seems to be thinking is that um, if we go into that 15 and up market, they technically kind of have an idea of what's going on and there's no need to necessarily be graphic about it, but we don't necessarily need to completely usher it out of the, uh, out of the narrative. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Definitely. I'm, I'm in the midst of it as we're speaking. I'm just kind of uh, letting the letting the world take shape and, and, and enjoying what comes down the pipeline, so to speak. Okay. I, I love that. I love that that phrase. I was writing something um, um, a couple of days ago. I'm finishing a collection of erotica at the moment mm-hmm. and I was writing a story and somebody asked me a question. I got interrupted in the middle and somebody asked me a question. I said, listen, I got to go. My characters are like screaming right now. Yeah. (laughs) Cause it it was, it doesn't happen all the time with, with the things that I write um, with the fiction that I write, which is, Mm -hmm. which is, well, it's fiction ish. My erotica is fiction ish because it's, it's usually got a reality basis. Um, But it doesn't happen all the time with that. But sometimes there are certain things that just there it's 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 definitely a, a separate voice and it insists on being listened to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's the thing that they that, that most have to understand when it comes to creatives. We listen. That's all we can do. We don't necessarily dictate. Sometimes we have the opportunity and in those rare times, you better take advantage of it. But nine times out of 10, we're literally sitting down in the living room, same as the reader is doing, and we're taking notes and <laughs> doing everything that is necessary to try and figure out exactly how to make this uh, readable for those that are outside of ourselves. And so when you when you write, because I'm always curious about this, some writers do a, a ton of research, right? Yes, Right. Yes, I mean, and, and I've spoken with with um, with authors who, who do loads of research. I mean, certainly there are some genres where research is necessary, but yes, of course. but I'm, I'm talking about even when when research isn't necessary. Um, I found myself doing research for this particular story, which is not I don't tend to because um, mm. I speak a lot out of my own experience. It, it isn't necessary. But in this case, I wanted, um, I wanted, I wanted to look at different honorifics, right? And I wanted to um, look at a couple occupation-specific things, mm-hmm. some sounds, and I wanted the the sound of somebody's voice. And I'm going to have to go back through and see if I can write it in the way that I can hear it. But right. I wanted to check and see where that the because I had a voice in my head and I didn't know where it had come from. So I did research to figure out where exactly it came from. Mm-hmm. Like not what person, but what part of the world. Right. Like I, I hear mean, this. I hear this accent in my head. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really what happens. 
I mean, even with my most recent one, I, I literally had to, um, the way that, the way that he speaks, yes, there is an Americanized tinge to it, um, because he grew up in the States, but he was born in London. So there was, uh, you know, there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of cockney in his dialect. Um, there was a lot of, um, a lot of heavy British slang in his, um, in his speech. I had to look through all of that to make sure that it was as, um, for lack of a better term, as accurate as humanly possible, you know, without actually talking to people who lived in it, who resided in the region. Right. Right. Yeah. I spent, I spent um, more time than I normally do. Um, and uh, cause it, cause it perturbed me. I actually yeah. found this wonderful, wonderful, um, um, archive of accents. Nice. And um, he, so you push the button and it tells you where the, where it came from, like, you know, what year it was recorded, how old the subject was. Some of them are, are like really old ones or just interviews with people and snippets, but some of them, the, the more, the more recent, um, recent being like from the seventies onwards, um, they actually wow. have some of them saying the same things so that you get the same sentence in like six different dialects, 10 different dialects, 20 different dialects. It was fascinating. So I ended up, I, it, it took an hour going through that before I went, oh, that's the one. Um, which was quite surprising. Um, but I didn't transliterate yet. So I'm gonna have to go back with the dialogue and, and, and change it into his voice. Okay. Which that should be fun. Yeah, it's always that. I mean, it's, always, it's hard with the slang, though, isn't it? Because you you want your audience to be able to read without having to to go to the dictionary. Yeah, in a lot of instances, yes. But I mean, when you're when you're thinking about regions, you 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 try not to be you try not to have, especially with the book with that particular project. It I spent out of the three hundred plus pages of that book, I spent maybe less than fifty inside of the United States. Right. So I had to pay attention to, I had to pay attention to dialect. I had to pay attention to slang. I had to pay attention to, um, in some instances, um, slurs, you know, in terms of how they were describing people that they really did not like. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of that that had to come into play at that particular point. So there was no choice but to put the research in, to put the time in, yeah. um, in a lot of instances to try and get in contact with those people who I had developed friendships over the years that live in those regions and yeah. be like, hey, you know, is this as accurate as I can get? Because I'm not going to get everything right, obviously. But at the same time, I want to at least put the forth the effort that all of the research that I did do was as prudent and as authentic as possible. Yeah, I mean it's, it's less of an issue, I think, for me because I'm I'm writing short stories. So, but you'd be amazed. I mean, you'd be amazed. I mean, even the even the one short story that I did with that that took place between uh, between therapist and patient, I had a lot of research that had to be done, and that was only five thousand words. So I yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you did consult a therapist for some opinions too. That I that I did right, to make sure and that I did not screw anything up because I can. It's one thing to have a whole fantasy play out, but then you still have to root it in some sort of reality because now somebody's going to get the bright idea to try and come onto their therapist, and now it becomes a whole thing. And next thing you know, somebody's either 
going to get fired or someone's going to jail. So it's, you have to pay attention to those realities, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Well, and that's be- I, and in part because I, I don't think that, um, I mean, we've talked about this before. People don't learn in the way that they did previous to um, internet. And so the willing suspension of disbelief really isn't taught in the same way anymore in school. Like Agreed. that was something that was really big that was taught to us about reading fiction and things and, um, and, and television and movies mm-hmm. that these are stories and these stories are told and what you need to do in order to get into the story is step into the world and leave reality behind. That's how you do it. Right. And I don't think it's taught that way anymore. No, unfortunately not. But I mean, at the same time, it it puts us in a position to where we have to be as um, not necessarily that we have to protect our characters, but at the same time, we kind of have to put them in a position to where they don't have to answer for a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's always that comes into into play in a lot of instances. The one thing that seems to be the one thing that's really kind of funny to me a lot of times is that the one thing that people in general um, tend to want to put in a suspension of, of of disbelief in a lot of instances is the sexual habits of their characters. Like I remember one time in one of my short stories where I literally spoke of the condom being taken off right before that particular person was about to come. And I had somebody come behind, come for me in the in behind the scenes and go, I don't want to see contraceptives in my stories. And I'm like, oh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't realize that was a thing until that person literally felt bold enough to tell me that they did not want to see contraceptive of any port, any any form of fashion being graphically depicted um, inside of a sex scene. And I'm just like, okay. And, I- and so that's difficult for, so for as an educator, right? And I step yeah. into my educator's hat. So if we go back to, it's one I've been talking about a lot. And if we go back to when we discovered pornography, which was, after most of us had had sex. Exactly. Right, because of our age. So we knew that that was fiction. Um, and we knew, we learned about contraception because that's about the only thing they taught us. <laughs> don't get pregnant and don't catch diseases. Um, right. So we knew that when we watched a movie, there were no condoms, there was no, you know, there was no consent conversation, none of that, because we knew that that was fiction and entertainment. Whereas these days, that's not necessarily known. It, it's not parsed that way. So there are a lot of people who look at that as education and that is, this is what you do. And, and that's what prompted people to start writing contraception and writing consent conversations into sex scenes because right. it, people weren't getting the information, but then people complain because it interrupts the flow. It shouldn't interrupt the flow if it's natural. Well, if it's written in a specific flow of the of the events that are happening, yeah, it shouldn't. And if you, it what one, it won't interrupt, and two, you won't even notice it. Yeah. But for some reason or another, that particular person, that particular day, I don't know what I did to rub them the wrong way with it. But well, no, lots of people have issues with it. 
Like, yeah, I mean, well, I've had people say, I don't want to read the, dis the discussion about their negotiation. It's but boring. That's, it's boring. But that's, but that's part of the, sometimes that can be as much of the foreplay as the foreplay itself. Yes. And I've written them that way. And nobody usually complains when, when they can't really see the negotiation. But okay. It, but the fact is, is that, so, that that's not the part that makes good story or good television usually, right? That's the part that is the kind of ordinary part. And so it's like, I don't want to see that part. I'm like, but what happens next depends on that. And the goodness of what happens next depends on that conversation, because that's where people figure out what you like, what you don't like. You know, that's that's really important. I don't want to see right. that. Just like I don't want to see condoms and I don't want to see any of that. I want to fantasize a world where a person can read my mind. Okay. You know, and I get it. You know, that's part of fantasy. But unfortunately, I, I guess as an educator, it, it kills me because we're not teaching people what reality looks like enough. So they think that's real. Mm -hmm. you know, they come yeah. in and say, you know, he should know what I want. And I'm like, how? Yeah. Have you opened your mouth? Well, I mean, you know, when you've when you've put yourself in a position to where, um, especially from a power exchange perspective, when you put yourself in a position where to where you put the dominant, regardless of gender, in a demagogue position, yeah, and then you expect that demagoguery to literally translate into real life, and nine times out of ten, that's not gonna happen. If you do happen upon that one person out of ten that has developed themselves in such a manner that they might have they have the ability to anticipate and make it look like they're reading your mind god bless you but that's not that's a rarity i mean i you know i know people like that mm -hmm. i know people like that i play with people like that i'm lucky that way i also don't rely on them to be able to do that Right. But that's you know, the I, thing. I think I think because people tend to love the concept that they get to step out of their uh, they get to step out of their common sense. But they don't understand that you can still do that, having had a rational conversation about the, the ins and outs of what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, you know, what your physical problems are, et cetera, et cetera, separate from this. They don't understand that you can have that conversation, be done with that conversation and people file it, right? I've got it here now. Mm -hmm. And so then you don't, it doesn't have to be predictable and you don't have to know what's coming. Right. And, but that's the thing. You, you have to work to get to that level of uh, perceived omniscience. Well, and I have to say that as omniscient as some of the people that I have uh, been with over the years have been, the ones who, in addition to following their intuition, actually asked me some questions, got the best response from me. Agreed. Because it, it's nuanced. Mm -hmm. It's nuanced. And so you, you then get to play with that nuance. Right. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I know. I just, I just, I despair that um, we just don't teach them the, the things that, that we do in order to make things good. And great and extraordinary. Very true. But I mean, at this point, the only thing we can do is do what we can with what's in front of us. And, you know, hopefully the ones that are able to listen will just take that 
and take the wins where they can be had. Absolutely. So if people want to find you right now, where's the best place to find you? Um, everything is at home, www.shakirashan.com. All of my social media is there. Any way to, that you need to get in contact with me is there. Um, I think I've got just about everything in-house as best as humanly possible. Oh, brilliant. So guys, do go look him up. I advise you to start at the beginning and read all the way through. It's well worth it. Um, next week, I'm not sure what we're doing. So it'll be surprising. I hope you have a great week. Be safe. Wear your masks if you're out in public, please. And I look forward to seeing all of you then. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlorybethbisbee.com and drlorybethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at Beth at drlorybethbisbee.press. Have a great week.